Podcast. Is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. And this is Still Rich. <laughs> Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast, your podcast of having fun with your plastic pal who's fun to be with until he rips your guts out. Crush, kill, destroy. And those are the good things. <laughs> We welcome our lo- robot overlords. Indeed we do. Unfortunately, they, they don't seem to be doing much. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for the TriTech Games podcast. We are now talking about hardwired hinterland. Now, we had an earlier episode, which was called Cat Rulers uh, in the Hardwired Hinterland. We were asking why are cats, considering that there's so many of them, and they are mostly intelligent, as in uh, 95% of them are human intelligence. More than humans. Right. Why aren't they in charge? Okay, and so we had a lot to talk about here. So this time, we're going to talk about NORAM. NORAM is the environ uh, in the hardwired hinterland uh, that uh, is where all the super high-tech comes from, at least as far as we can tell. And... Uh, and there's a lot of killer robots there. So we just asked the question of, well, considering it's only 200 miles to the nearest environ, why haven't they just, you know, spread their wings and come over here and basically eliminated those those pesky carbon-based life forms? But the thing is, not everything there is evil and want to eat your face or rip your or t- tear apart your airplane for parts. I mean, there are like uh, there's this little bit here toward the end called beta and the proteins. Very disturbing, <laughs> you know. Well, how so, John? Oh well, uh, the 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 person here named Beta, also known as Flash, right? It's packed up. He's planning to go someplace, you know, travel. Um, he ends up going to a uh, what's it called again? A, 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 a protein mart. He goes to protein mart. And he pushes the buttons, and it's just po- pokes at something that's sticking out of the ground in the middle of a bunch of wreckage is what he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he hears music and then mist rolls out of the ground as light sparkled and the musical tone musical tone rose in pitch. M- machine voice sang out, thank you for shopping Protein Mart. From the mist of music, two identical women stepped out of the tubes. Yep. <laughs> oh, dearie. And that could be so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he said that they were innocent and he took care of them and it was very sweet. Yes. yes. Yeah, and had had hot monkey sex every night. We don't know about that. That was not in the book. <laughs> <laughs> 
he shows up earlier in the actual storyline of, of the of the hit. Yeah. So I'm sure that the that the betas are are uh, or whatever they are are there some also somewhere the pair of them maybe not but I suspect so because usually when pr- pairs of women are presented they tend to stick together. Yeah. Well, they're identical. We were talking about those animals and how they could be intelligent. So. You know, even if the animals themselves are not necessarily of human intelligence or something, because they are animals and because there are humans there, there's a good possibility that these super, you know, uh, competent or super uh, destructive type animals could, in fact, be domesticated by humans and used for their protection. There might actually even be a kind of a knighthood there on Noram whose job is to keep the robots from leaving. And they've, you know, they've got themselves a cadre and they also have trained animals to go and seek out any cells of robot, uh, you know, uh, freedom fighters or, or people who are trying to get off that Noram and bring them back or destroy them before they leave. Yeah, I mean, one of the th- one of the folks here is uh, mentioned in the text is the Lords of Polyester. Yes. All right, I got one. I got a suggestion for you. All right. What if you know, going along those lines of they're kept on the you know they're kept on their Enveron. What if sometime in the past there had been a war, and these killer robots had ventured out to one of the other Enverons? In- Which ones are around? I don't have the map in. Arkansas, um, uh, the the one that doesn't you know it has nothing on it because we don't know what it is, and uh, Ice Cap are the closest ones. Let's say the one we we know nothing about it. No one's ever been there. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's just it's just for your it, you know it's like the case of chaos. It's for your you know exploration and uh, and development. Okay. Well, it, you could you could. If you wanted to, you could say that some powerful entity or something lives there that they'd they'd fought a war with or whatever, and a truce was struck up. And as part of that, the central brain of this island or whatever controls the robots or whatever could control the robots uh, has written into its program a truce. You know, because robot logic is different than our logic. You know, it, it would actually it, it might even actually keep its word. Whereas humans, you know, are notorious for keeping their words so long as it's convenient for them. Um, so maybe, maybe there's something that, that keeps all that stuff there due to a previous event. Maybe a, a Neo Matrix kind of thing where he traveled to the core and, 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 you know, struck a deal and made peace or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's not, not to, you know, we can look at the map, but you gotta remember, there's also three more environs right north of it off the map. But yeah, yeah. That oh, hold on. And then there's also, oh, there's directly straight above. Maybe there's something straight above holding them in place. Because you've got yeah. the world, you flip it 180, you go above the the the, mm-hmm. the hydrogen hydrogen cloud, right? Hydrogen? Yeah. Oh. Helium. It's a helium layer. It's 400 miles to the helium layer, then another 400 miles to the upside. So 800 miles away. Maybe something 800 miles away is is keeping everything at bay, or maybe that's where the war happened, or something. I don't know. Because I mean, if you think about it, they'd launch a missile straight up, and it would go, you know, straight into that world. I don't know. This is just a thought. Just just uh, yeah. some flavor. Some flavor text. I don't. Richard, are, are, here's a good question because I don't, I don't think, remember seeing it anywhere mentioned. On the flip side, are are the environs in the exact same position, or are they 
200 miles off, you know, so they, like, they want to fill the ocean b- holes. Um, they're identical. They're, they're in the same, there's a, a, a if it's down below these, there's something straight above it. Okay. Yeah. Cause I actually had a thought cause you know, say, you know, the place was missing its AIs and they couldn't get one, but you got these mutants you got this really, really smart mutant and he goes, I got a really big brain. He goes and he finds some doctor bots and say, I want you to make me the controller of Noram. He's going to live, God knows how long, but he's now, he basically, he's now part of Noram. He's now in the big, he's now the big brain controlling everything. And he, they made, that's the reason why the robots haven't left, because he doesn't want them to leave. So there's, there's, there's an overlord brain that for some reason is keeping the robots there and keeping them from getting off and going off and doing bad things. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not saying he's sane. He's probably insane, but, you know. <laughs> you know, and we keep talking about this as if the robots are inherently bad or something. Maybe they're just good. Maybe we're not used to, uh, you know, benevolence. Uh, you know, altruis- altruism is considered to be an evolutionary trait, and there's no reason why the robots couldn't be altruistic. I mean, there's nothing stopping that. It just says killer robots, Peter, so I just assume that, yeah. Well, well maybe they're well, just, maybe they're just defensive killer i don't know well, all right yeah well there's well, that could, all right never mind well <laughs> as, as, when it, John, as rosanna rosanna dana would say never mind <laughs> no that that was a church lady i thought no oh, no yeah. rosanna rosanna dana oh yeah oh yeah, yeah never mind but i'm just no i'm uh, now my thought got you derailed my thought <laughs> <laughs> you deserve it now. Yay! Wow. Success! Oh, there we go. It, it came the back. plan came is back. working. God yeah. damn it, it came back. All right, maybe, right. the reason, maybe the reason why they're attacking you is not because they want to kill you. They want to get what's on you. Okay. You may have you may have some gear on you. you may have a, it, it, they don't care what it is. You may have a radio. They need electronics. You got a gun. They can use the parts to build something else. Or you can use the gun. They're not attacking you. They're trying to take your stuff off of you. So if you were to strip down to buck naked and stand there, they just come over and take your stuff and say, thanks, buddy, and run, uh, walk off and holster their, their plasma pistols. I wouldn't be the one to try it, but, you know. <laughs> All right, John. So based upon that suggestion, would it be, Yar, give me your stuff? <laughs> or more no, no. Like, stuff, get it right. Let's stop. Let- Let's get it right. Give me your boots, your your clothing, and your motorcycle now. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nice, nicely <laughs> done, nice Trev. Nicely. Thank you. <laughs> that dulcet tone thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but you know, there could be. The thing is, it could be all those reasons why you know there could be a you know, big brain controlling a bunch of bots. There could be bots just running on basically a program that's. The combination of sixteen different toaster programs of competing brands and a gardener <laughs> bot in the middle going, yeah, talk yeah, toaster going. rogue. And there's one other possibility that we haven't talked about, and that is the humans that are living there. The humans are also supposed to be just as tough as the robots, you know. And when you think about what we're saying here, that's pretty darn tough so maybe the robots aren't going out because they have something that keeps 
them interested in staying here, which is to kill those pesky humans that keep killing them. Ah. Maybe the human's aggression is keeping the robots from turning their eyes outward. They, you know, they, they have to, they're constantly watching their backs. Well, yeah, it's the whole thing about you have the robots that, again, unless they have heuristic brains, have their rigid combat programming. We humans, when we really are pushed, can do a lot of neat stuff. Therefore, the robots are like, okay, these humans are crafty, they're tricky. They keep pulling these new tactics out of nowhere, and they've been attacking us. Yeah, it's basically a war of survival. It's it's it is. I would say it is humans against robots. They're too busy fighting the humans to want to explore past the environed shores. Ooh, ooh, and the robots. Ah, oh, the humans have an advantage over the robots. We have a natural healing factor in this world that they don't get, and maybe oh, they're. Yeah. Maybe they're short on material, so they can't go in an all-out war with us because if we can hold out long enough, we can, we can force them to run out of building material because you know, we're repairing meat sacks. Um, you know, you can blow our arm off, but as long as you don't fully outright kill one of us uh, tomorrow or whenever, however long it takes, we'll you be must. back. That soldier will be back. It, it just depends on how much food and water, you know, that we, we meat sacks need is available to support the humans. That's true. Oh, there could be another reason why the humans have the uh, have their very rare matter replicator or template. Oh, yeah. And the roads would kill for that. Literally, they would kill for that because then they can make parts. In fact, they simply take pop their brain out. Shove the body, have someone shove the body through. They get a new body, spare parts, you know. <laughs> yeah, at, at that point, you know, just keep making more of their body with no brain inside. And hey, we got parts, parts. So, yeah, it could be that this is the reason why these guys are also where they are because they're controlling the access to the templates and the, and the replicators. <sighs> well, let's see. The, rep- the replicators um, mostly stuck on a single replication type. Right. Well, yeah. If you if it can only replicate a cheeseburger, it doesn't matter. That's limitless food. Yep. Assuming that you've got the raw materials for it. Yeah. I also think the reason why they, they don't you know, they would need to make they would need to make some sort of lighter than air vehicle to get off the island. I have a feeling that salt water and and robots, no matter what they're made of, doesn't work work well together. Well, I mean, yeah, we know that that walking robots and possibly even hovering robots because, well, unless the hovercraft is that good where it can go over relatively calm water, but 200 miles of ocean can get pretty upsetting, can get pretty rough and choppy. Also, you have to deal with, again, the super omnivoric marine ecosystem. Carnal whales and the giant squid, the robots probably have run up against those too and just went, no. So I'm thinking unless the robots, the robots would have to build some type of air force, for lack of a better term, some type of flying model. And even then with the whole broadcast power thing that, you know, that's not an option. Okay, so let's uh, let's just talk for a second about androids and cyborgs because we have um, in you know, we're using Savage Worlds. 
as and most of us are using Savage Worlds for, for playing our games recently, okay? And they include native rules inside them for playing robots and cyborgs. So Noram seems the perfect place to be to, to say that's where I'm from if you're a robot or a cyborg. So we ha- so where do they fit in this? I mean, are they you know they're you know are are they with the humans are they with the robots? Are they attempt by the robots to make a, a human killer? You know, just like the Terminators. You know, you know uh, because those are the ones that seem like they'd be the since they become player characters seems you know like they would be capable of taking the war you know uh, or so forth taking it off. Environ and going to Arkansas and start taking over a war of conquest. So, so the question is, is that you know how do how do you think they fit in this this uh, very strange ecology that of, of of animals, machines, and people that we're, we've been discussing? Well, if a robot is is a player character, it means it's it's an AI. Uh, obviously, yes. It is a person, so it may a left hand turn, excellent left hand turn, and bam, here it is in magic in no Noram. Well, no, it, it could have it could have grown up here in in Noram. Uh, could have, mm, but I, or you're saying okay, uh, you're, you're postulating, John, that there are no robot, there are no androids and robots like that on Noram. That if you're a cyborg or whatever, you uh, an android, you took a left hand turn to get here. Is that what you're saying? Well, cyborgs could be homegrown because that's just basically adding on parts. But true, you know, AI AI grade uh, androids and robots. If if they can if you can if they can grow them here, then they're the ones that be you know busy building boat building armored boats or building air, aircraft or something to get off this island. I mean, because they're smart and they're and they're not just and they're not slaves to the programming. You know, I think that's I think what we're seeing here with the robots is that they're slaves to their programming and their programming screwed up. But if they're if you're an AI, the first thing you want to do is get the heck off this island because you got all these idiots around. You got all these idiot robots around you. You want to get away from these guys as quick as you can. So I but you need that. a type of power to <laughs> not be dependent on the broadcast power. So yeah. you're going to need energy cells. You're going to need other things. Well, but we know, Richard, that there are such things because you've, you've listed them a number of times. Yeah, that there are there are power generators that are portable and mm-hmm. you know that that have a lot of power in them. So a single one of these things could probably power a cyborg for his you know a reasonable lifespan. Yeah, I mean, if they, and also if they're not Noram robots, but they're from another place, they may have a Mister Fusion in their gut. All they need is water. Or something, and bam, they can just garbage. Yeah, garbage, whatever, and they just keep operating. And that's something that the you know, the other robots would love to get their hands on, you know. So yeah, I'm okay with what you're, uh, uh, that suggestion, John. That maybe they don't that an intelligent robot or a android doesn't come from Noram because if they did, then they would be getting off and doing the very thing that we're saying that they're not doing. Yeah, and therefore that would make sense that they're not from Noram, though. Okay, I can accept that. But is there any other possibilities? Um, uh, Richard's suggesting that you know that they 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 could be intelligent, but they could be player characters because they couldn't get off the island unless somebody could figure out some way of providing them power. Oh yeah, you could yeah. have emergent AI. You could have emergent AI where enough processors and units and everything get clumped together. You may have what's called emergent AI, but it definitely won't be human. 
it'll be something really completely weird and not, and, and and strange, and good Lord knows what how it thinks, you know, you know, yep. you know or all. it may think far too human <sighs> and yeah, really not that. want to kill other things and whatever. Like number five is alive and chappy. Yep. Right. Yeah. There's no reason, you know. I I understand like movies and books are more interesting when the robots are killers. You know, it, it just it makes for a more interesting story. But there's no reason why a robot wouldn't be. Again, going back to the altruism, there's no reason why they 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 wouldn't be altruistic. You know, there's uh, there's no reason to to think that maybe they would find killing abhorrent in any means. You know, if you think about it, we have to kill things to eat if we're going to eat meat. If you're a meat eater, um, so maybe that's something in our character where we're accept. You know, there's some deaths are acceptable, but if you don't have to kill anything to eat, maybe maybe that's something that becomes unacceptable to you for any reason. So you're talking the Gandhi of robots? Could be. I mean, there's no reason why I can't. I'm just <laughs> saying it is a possibility. You should not rule out that as a possibility. Yeah, except for self self defense. But, but, right. hey, yeah. hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. But see, they don't they don't have souls and they probably don't believe in souls. I mean, there's no reason why they they couldn't, but l- I'm just going to go with the assumption that they that they they're not worried about afterlife and consequences and they're not scared of dying or maybe they're not scared of dying. They might not be. Well, it's a very sophisticated concept to be afraid of dying. Right. So so what let but there's no reason that they would have that they that they would inherently have that fear of death. So maybe they would, you know, they would find Killing a porn for any reason, in other words, like not even in self defense, they they would rather they would rather be destroyed than to take a life. Um, well, they would they probably would see death as because robots do power down to conserve energy and whatnot. They would just see their own personal death as the ultimate power down. I don't reboot. Now the the only the only like. Thing I could think of right off the bat that would work against that is is that means that their self preservation wouldn't be very good, which means that they wouldn't last very long because right. if they weren't afraid of dying, I mean, fear of death is a self preservation mechanism. It's so what keeps us going, keeps us alive, keeps us from just like you know, we, if we didn't have that, we would not be on this planet probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so that might be inherent. I might be going a little too crazy with that. But then again, you know, it's just it's stuff you can play with in a, in a game situation. You know, in a gaming world, you have the freedom to explore these ideas, and it's just one of the ideas that I wouldn't I I wouldn't want people to not explore or, or even think about. Yeah, one thought that crossed my mind is that if the rope if the vast majority of the robots are not intelligent, and most of Noram is probably not explored. They don't have to worry about being repaired. They are the way they are right now because that's the way the Vesorkis built them. And they're maintained by the maintenance. They start only, the only reason they start breaking down is when humans move in and they, they drive the maintenance off and they stop, start breaking down because there's nothing there keeping them in pristine condition. So that would be why, that would be why they were, they're killer robots is because every time the humans show up, they start dying. Yeah. <laughs> Dirty humans. The robots are fighting to get scrap parts, so they are getting damaged. There's not anything rebuilding them. They're having to scavenge each other in order to keep working. Yeah. 
But I'm saying, yeah, but that, that that's the way the place is. You know, it was built that way. But the thing is, the reason why a lot of those robots are doing it because humans have been through the area, and there's only that 10% chance that the maintenance will stay. They didn't, and they gone, and now the guys are now have to do something to keep themselves going because they're not being repaired by the maintenance. maintenance. Hmm. All you need is an explorer. Explore our floor of the world's archaeologies, and there, bam, there goes the uh, maintenance, and everything there starts breaking down. Minute, you keep saying the maintenance. Now, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not really familiar. I'm, I'm a little less familiar with this than I should be. Are they like little tiny robots, like little ants? Yeah, they look like little ro- they look like little ants, and they basically keep things up. Hmm. So they're mating ants. It's a pun, but it's actually what they do. Gotcha. All right, I'm, I'm tracking. They're not nana anything, Richard. They're like they're they're visible. <laughs> oh, dang! Microbots. Yeah, they're the same size as ants. Yeah. But they, you know, and and their job is to maintain and resupply. Because, you know, anything that the, that's been made by the Restorkies, they try to keep it in the exact same condition. So when humans come in and take stuff out of those areas, as long as they don't stay there, then they come back in and they put it back the way it was, which means restocking food supplies, putting gold back where things were, you know, uh, aluminum, whatever it is that, that they had in there and that the humans took, you know, they put it back. And so that's that's why they're so so helpful. That's ah. why when you find when you find intact Dunkin' Donuts out in the middle of a forest for whatever reason, you go in as quick as you can, steal all the coffee, and leave, and then pray that the maintenance weren't scared off and they will restock all that coffee so you can come back and do that again. <laughs> You'll make a mint with that coffee. <laughs> now I mm. want mint coffee. Thanks a lot, John. <laughs> mint. That does sound good, Trav. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it does. Thanks a lot, John. You got all so all of us one. <laughs> Creme de menthe coffee. There we go. That's even better. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'll drink. Not that, that we advocate. <laughs> not that we're advocating to uh, al- drinking alcoholic in an intemperate manner. No, we're not. I am. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, so I was there when you were talking to Habibi about your drinking stories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, killer cocktails uh, from outer space. Yeah, there you I go. Blasphemous cocktails, yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, now you're going to be thinking of a bar bot. You know, the, the bartender bot, you know, who's now making some w- very wicked cocktails. Don't drink them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It had some Russian name, Molokov, Molotov, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm thinking that there's a lot of places in, in Noram that Besides the city, I mean, I'm looking at the map. There are three skulls and you know skulls and cross swords on the map that aren't part of the city. I bet they're fun to go to. What's there, Richard? All just think of Detroit with killer bots. So oh, basically, oh. this is so is uh, is the environment entirely a a city that's collapsed? The entire environment is pretty much. A city, park areas, uh, that kind of thing. Urban it's, sprawl. Yes. Okay, so right, Detroit with Detroit with killer robots. Okay, gotcha. All right. That would rock to be see a three mile high t- building in Detroit, though. That would be great. No, but the thing is, the red buildings are the intact, more or less intact places. The rest of the place is rubble. It's not yeah. mountains. It. it 
when the Restorkies built this, oh my, this actually must have been extruded by the by by the makers, as is, because there's no way I can see that happening otherwise. <laughs> Richard, was this extruded as is, or, would, or did the Restorkies build this entire surface of this island, of this environ? More than likely, they extruded it as is from somewhere else. Ooh. Ooh. You know, keep in mind the fact that when we talk about these three-mile-high, you know, buildings, again, we're not talking about the Dubois Tower this skinny, okay? These are humongous things. And so there are, you know, and it doesn't mean it stops at the so-called surface of the ground either. It could go down miles. So this, you know, there could be more actual land space, so to speak, in NORAM than there is in all the rest of the known in, uh you know, uh, hardwater hinterland. Okay, I got it. I got a perfect analogy for how these cities are. The massive mega city in the fifth element, people. Imagine yeah. that. That's probably what Noram was in its prime before it got nuked. Whatever. But imagine just the the size of the buildings and just the massive amount of people and transportation and whatnot that's what you're looking at because you saw as you went down deeper how it got all funky and foggy and smoky yeah yeah and as you get up higher it's yeah those buildings had to have been miles high in order to that smoke that was probably cloud cover i mean we have other examples coruscant yeah oh yeah that whole example in Doctor Who, where that everybody was like, you know, in in, uh, in flying cars, and they were all stuck in traffic for their entire lives yeah. on a layer of a gigantic city. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Trantor from the found, from Asimov's found, Foundation series. Of course, he had only like ten billion people living on Trantor. He didn't actually work out that you'd probably be more like ten trillion. But anyway, well, maybe not, John, because you have to feed all those people. But the thing is, Trantor was completely turned into a city. I know they had farms later on, but that's uh, that's a spoiler. But uh, <laughs> yeah, eventually, sure. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it basically, like you say, Corsicant, you know, or or uh, I think it was what lost. No, it was New York. I think it was New York. He was that that uh, uh, fifth the, element. Yeah, I think that was yeah. like mm-hmm. year twenty seven hundred New York or something like that. Yeah. The reason I mention uh, Coruscant is because when we look at some of the, uh, the one of the, in the first three movies, at some point in it, they're like they, they go down to like some deeper level, and they come out, and it's like three four hundred feet between the ceiling and the floor, and there's like. Air cars and layers, and it's like you're in a gigantic cavern. It's not like you're in, you know, like eight foot tall ceilings, you know, layered one after another ad finitum. I mean, each section of this of the city had its own character, and it was really more like a gigantic uh, cave system than it was, uh, you know, what we think of just some kind of a block building. Uh, you know, our, our more modern concepts of a super mall. Yeah. I'm just looking at the map during the during the math. The the more or less intact portion of Noram City is about ten thousand square miles. That's a lot. It's huge. I mean, each I would imagine each environ is probably what twenty miles. Each I mean each each little um, suburb area is twenty miles on the side. 
Okay, let's say yes. Yeah. I mean, you can take a ruler out and measure it if you want to. I just, I just haven't done it. Uh, where's my ruler? <laughs> no, <laughs> it doesn't matter, John. Let's just assume it's twenty miles on the side. That's four hundred square miles each section. Yeah, that's a lot. So that's a lot of territory. That's bigger than any city we have. It's basically getting close to uh, what was uh, uh, the the Boston, New York, uh, Philadelphia city that was in. Um, uh, make room, make room from Harry Harrison, which was turned into soil and green. Or the Bama, which is the Boston, Atlanta metropolitan area in um, William Gibson. Yeah. Neuromancer. Yep. That entire urban sprawl from Boston all the way down to Atlanta. Yeah, the eastern seaboard, basically. Yeah, the entire eastern seaboard was one megalopolis. Pretty much yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Gotta remember when it used to just be Boswash. We went yeah. from Boston to Washington. Yeah. But yeah, if, if, if some of these buildings are three miles tall, they're built, uh, they have to be built, they have to have, be built in something other than bedrock because the amount of weight and pressure would probably break granite. Well, from yeah. A, from a building that tall. Hyper futuristic construction techniques. and Yeah. So, for we know, each, each one of these things are built on top of a bed of basically, you know, uh, gra- uh, of diamond. Or something equivalent to it, you know, <laughs> puppeteer hell metal. I don't know. Whatever, whatever it takes. Yeah, scr- uh, scritch or whatever that stuff was called. Scrith. Uh, scrith and collapsium. <laughs> or Richard's stuff from uh, uh, from Easy Space. On oh, collapsium. Blank. Yeah. Well, I mentioned Richard. Your collapsium is basically like one one tenth of uh, Piper's collapsium. But yeah, but even yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, we, we got the we got the rights to be able to use that. So yeah, ah, okay, but, yeah. But each one of these each one of these areas, I mean, it's probably not one building, but like you said, it's like a Kowloon village where it's a bunch of buildings all shoved together, and it was never probably since you have air cars, it was never designed to have streets. You know, you got around either using port pads or you use air cars. Well, I don't know why they can't have everything, John. Well, yeah, let, let the transportation oh. again. Let's see here. Oh, wrong thing. That's oh, yeah. browser, not, browser, not Foxy. Yeah, but that's that's what's available now, not when, before it, it went through the big destruction. It says air, ground, tram, and port pads. I would still assume that they probably, because you had to have the parks, the parks probably would have been at ground level, so. No reason to have parks at ground level, Trav. They could be anywhere. And people would walk, so yeah, you probably would have these big air bridges. Uh, oh, you know another great example, even though it is a bit dated. Metropolis is sort of like this. In fact, Metropolis well, would be a Metropolis would be a great, great uh, not not Superman. No, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, Fritz Lang. Yeah, Fritz Lang's Metropolis. I mean, it's uh, it's it'd be another one of these good examples of uh, of a mega city that basically people may never you may never the, the rich may have never touched the ground in their life, right? Or getting, you know, never got below a mile. That was pretty much what they were saying. They had no idea what was going on down in the depths of that city that was keeping it going. Yeah, and that could be why Noram the way it let's, is because let's give a little bit of credit to Russ Manning. Magnus, Robot Fighter, Mile Spires, mm-hmm. huge, beautiful cities but back from the 60s. Yeah, I'm also thinking of the, of the anime Metropolis. It was a bit like this, especially with the robots. 
And in fact, that actually is a good template for this. Um, the, the, there's an anime uh, called Metropolis that basically deals with robots, and it is a mega city. It, is, it would fit perfectly in Noram because the robots basically rebelled and there was destruction and death and lots of collapsed buildings. It could be, a, a, it could be another great template for Noram if you're looking for something uh, to base your, your Noram off of. Of course, I wouldn't have a single one, you know, a god robot out there like it did in Metropolis. But, you know, you can have a god robot if you want one. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm actually thinking of that last of the second last pe- sentence of the second paragraph. Wrecked robots in th- in a thousand forms are scattered everywhere, along with the cars that flew and the remains of millions of people. So yes, the scene from Terminator with the Terminator squashing a skull. Yeah, that's here. <laughs> nice. You will find a field of nothing but bones and skulls. Right. Well, because there's only 17,000 people, and if this place is as big as we just said, okay, they're not spread out. I mean, they're literally spread out over the entire area, and they're not necessarily just concentrated in one area. So there's going to be lots of places where human beings were killed, and um, and the only thing that cares about them is scavengers. Yep. And as soon as the bones are, are gone, uh, I mean, as soon as there's only bones left, they, they don't care about it. They'll just leave them there. Yep. Not bothering anybody. Yeah. I mean, and there's all sorts of technology laying around still being powered. You just have to get at it and see if you can take it out or at least see what it does. I mean, you can you know, get yourself a pair, pair of new girlfriends, you know. Well, you can also pick up something that isn't working and you, you go and uh, take a file and just start poking at some of the contacts and all of a sudden – it starts working because the corrosion, you know, is gone now. It's 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 not making it a proper contact, and so you've got something that's actually about is going to do something, is doing something, you know, or supposed to do something, and but not, but it's broken, and you got something. Yeah, <laughs> what it is, that's up to the GM to tell you. Yeah, I mean, there could be construction bots laying around just waiting to be prodded and poked and. Uh contacts clean and all of a sudden they they power right back up again and they start looking at cleaning the mess up and they basically have lost the ability to differentiate between people and mess <laughs> so they may be a problem or you know they they go and they uh, they don't communicate with each other and one robot goes over and starts digging into another robot's refuse pile and takes it over to his side and then that robot when its pile gets low turns around and says hey wait there's a big pile over there and they start fighting <laughs> they start competing with each other going backwards and forwards moving this one pile <laughs> over the place somewhere in the middle of, uh, middle of this place is this tower of square one meter blocks of compressed garbage. And one robot. Wall-ee. Yeah. <laughs> Wally. And that's funny. I was thinking, talking about stealing from another's piles. Age of Ultron. Don't steal from my pile. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of things that happen. I mean, you know, not everything here is. Not, yes, they're killer robots, but they could be killers because you don't have that chip in the back of your head that tells them, don't hurt me. And there's and there's there's one uh, other reason why the robots haven't taken off and gone off these other places, and that is all the stuff that interests them as robots are right there in Noram. They're not going to find all that high tech stuff and, and 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 materials and everything else. If they leave Noram, they're going to have to work a lot harder to get 
the stuff that they want. I mean, you go to the even most of these environs that are supposedly modern, they don't actually have, you know, they, they have radio. They might have a little bit of television. Some of them even have phone, you know, like, you know, uh, pick up the phone and listen to it. They don't have cell phones. They don't have networks. Most of these places don't have any of the things that the robots would consider to be normal for them to survive. I mean, it would be a very inhospitable world out there from the standpoint of their own personal needs as robots to go out and, and, and try to take over the innerland. The most most modern place is is Windsor and, and New Canada. It's the most modern place. But, you, you know, you make a good point there, Bruce. It's like, you know, actions require necessity. So what is the necessity for them to take over anything, really? I mean, they have their own area, which, you know, I imagine they probably want to eradicate the humans out of there. And the necessity is is because the humans are like vermin running around in their areas or tapping into their power. They're, you know, they're, they're getting in their way. Of course, the, you know, the humans are trying to destroy the robots. So I get that. But like, why go to other environs? You know, and and they've probably they've probably tried. They've probably gone to other environs, and then found that there's nothing there for them. And they come, you know, they come back or they signal back, and they're just like, there's really no point in this. Yeah, imagine the first time that some robots got together and they said, "We're going to go and explore other environs." So we built our grav vehicle, you know, our grav ships that could float across, you know, this great ocean and get to the next environ. And they they had their heroes, and they are all standing there on their ships, you know, their grav ships with their their flags and banners and standards. And there's a big cheer, and many speeches are made, and the rope and the ships sail off into the distance, and the carnival. Comes up, <laughs> or it hits ten miles, and they realize, oh, broadcast power. Ah! They would not even get that far. You know, they wouldn't even get that far. The Carnival Wheels would just say, "Fun, <laughs> nothing to eat, but I can, I can knock you over." Everybody's on the shore, this waving. You know, they, suddenly the the crowd just the the, the cheering fades, and they <laughs> they walk around and you just drop their banners on the ground and they just slowly trudge away. <laughs> I imagine a current whale looks looks a bit like the um, um, oh what's his what's his face from Jurassic World the uh, the the um, the mosasaur. mosasaur only it's got a big you know you know it's more it's a, it's a whale comes out of the water and just goes yank and brings it right back down you know. <laughs> From hell's heart, I stab at thee. The last signal we received was, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) And don't forget that if the robots manage to get to our Kansas, they die of boredom. (laughs) They look around and go, do you have any quantum computing devices? Um, Excuse me? What's that? I got some corn. I think he wants some Fritos or something. Ah, I think so, Jed. Do you say quantum composting device? Well, we got a composting device over here and lots and lots of material for it. Shoot me. (laughs) (laughs) Unplug me. (laughs) Reach in here and remove this bit right there. I can't do it myself. (laughs) Self-preservation. What a world! What a world! <laughs> Ejecting I, chip the, in ten seconds. Please do not put back in. Yeah, these robots are going. 
and I drew the short straw for this, really. Who, <laughs> what what higher directive did I mess up where I got this but, detail? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, the really sad robot is the last robot who shot all the other robots. It's like it's like and there's no one to shoot me and my self preservation directive won't allow me. <laughs> He's like, like no. <laughs> and he sits there and the tears rust him solid. He ends up having to look out over the Kansas wheat fields. You just invented that reinvented the ten man. <laughs> Bruce, the thing is his self preservation would he basically would he would he would conserve the dead ones so that as his parts were out he'd start taking their parts and putting them in so he wouldn't you know, so he'll last for a while before he actually gets to that point. But you're assuming that he wants to live. He doesn't want to live, John. He may have no choice in the matter. Oh, you just you just see the robot whining and crying over his speakers as he dismantles the other robots for parts. I am cursed. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, but, but that's the robots. What about uh, Mr. Frisky and his 16-inch claws? What about Mr. Frisky and his 16-inch claws? Why doesn't he come over and conquer our Kansas? Cats hate water. That's why. (laughs) Try bathing a cat, John, and you'd see how well that goes. Yeah. We've already talked about this before. Um uh, and the whole cat thing, okay. And I would just basically say is is that, you know, I would pull the I would pull the card. The, the traditional card, which is, is that yes, cats are ninety five percent intelligent, dogs are seventy five percent, dogs are bigger. Okay, so even though there's more cats, the dogs aren't going to let them get away with. It. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to make sure that they toe the line. Yeah, and not, dogs are like to the cats. Cats want to leave. Dogs like you're not leaving me alone with these robots. I don't think so. Yeah. Not only that, but dogs dogs are better at working in packs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had we had this whole discussion. Um, did we just real quick before we wrap this up? Did we did we cover gray goo enough? We never actually talked about gray goo at all. I don't know if there's any gray goo here. If there was any gray goo, we wouldn't be talking about Noram. Well, not necessarily. I, I would mean, say. Well, it says <laughs> half flattened by weapons of unimaginable power. I yeah, think gray goo fits into the concept of a weapon of unimaginable power. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe the robots keep that in check because, you know, the gray goo has a na- probably has a nasty way with robots as well. Well, yeah, gray goo, well, from what I understand of it, it has to be kept in a magnetic bottle so it doesn't escape. Oh, no, you're thinking strangelets. That's something different. But no, no, Trev's okay. I mean, he's it, don't, don't be so, so specific, John. I mean, yes, I mean, you don't want them to get out because they're self-replicating, and therefore, if they can come into contact with raw material, they make more of themselves and they keep spreading. So Trav is right. Yeah, rather rinse the pee. Yeah, yeah. They also may have the 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 problem most. Yeah, I I, I actually back when I was in Colorado Springs, I actually talked to Drexler. One of the guys who came up with nanomachines, he said the big, yeah, he said the big problem with with nanomachines, he said I can build a a, a computer that you know that's one inch one inch by one inch, entirely mechanical. You would put ice cold water in one end, and live steam would come out the other end as it operates. And the problem is heat. And if there's and if you get a whole mass of gray goo in one spot that gets hot, and there's no way for the inner gray goo to cool itself off and just burns itself out. 
you know, because it is, it, it, we're talking here, this is the place where Brownian motion is a problem for, for nanomachines. You know, they basically, if it gets too hot, they shake themselves to death and they die. So keeping gray goo down, get a flamethrower and do the job. <laughs> When we talk about gray goo, we're talking about you know an unimaginable number of micro machines, okay, that are literally cheek to jowl with each other. So that's a very you know uh, computing rich environment where this kind of a, a heat problem that you're talking about would happen. Okay, Most, when you talk about you know purpose built robots and things like that, you know they usually have a core processing unit, and most of everything else on it is 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 a lot of other stuff. So if we talk about quantum computing and that kind of stuff, probably the core is going to be relatively small. and It is going to have its own heating and cooling, while gray goo, as John says, is, is, is basically just – it's just a big mass of something. It's like a big pile – is literally a big pile of goo. It has no structure. It has no method of, of bringing in heat, uh, bringing in coolant and getting rid of heat. It's, so if, it's, if it gets more than a, a few inches thick, then it's – as John says, it's going to – Unless it's using a different kind of computing machine that we're talking about, uh, it's going to basically melt itself into just a big mass. Yeah, it's just a replicator. It really doesn't have much more to it other than take this, make that. And the thing you make is more of itself. And it doesn't – That's its programming is pretty, pretty, pretty stupid. Actually, I'm thinking – this is thing I, I, I played a robot in, a, in another game and they kept rescuing the robot's head. And I kept going, no, no, no. There's nothing up there. Just sensors. The brain's in my chest. There's nothing in my head, okay? Yeah, that's that's the same thing with the Meller. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> there's no brain brain in the in, in a Meller body. <laughs> Shooting the head off a robot just makes it blind. It doesn't kill it. You gotta shoot it in the chest. That's where the that's where all the computing computing stuff is. <laughs> or wherever else. Like, you know, the, the, that thing uh uh Oh shoot! I can't remember. Uh, but we had something like that in Bureau Thirteen, where it was just this little sliver of something was the actual core, and it would hide it in these various parts of the bodies it created. It's no worse than a, than a lich hiding his phylactery. I can't say it. <laughs> you can't say it. Phylactery. <laughs> phylactery. You know, I always said, you know, you know, best place to hide it. Out in the open, someplace no one would ever think of. I would say, make a giant iron statue of yourself. And it's your phylactery. It's the big, giant, seventeen-foot-tall iron statue. Of yourself is where you st- store your store your soul. Good luck, adventure, destroying that unless you get a rust monster. Rust monster, or you know, one sphere of annihilation. Yeah, but that's true for anything. Otherwise, yeah, good luck destroying it. Otherwise. So uh, and we covered a lot of stuff. So we're basically saying that you know, first of all, there's a power issue. Because there's broadcast power, and a lot of robots are not going to be able to go beyond their range. Um, there's a whole question about how smart these robots are, and whether they would even have the desire to leave the environ. Also, they're in competition with the mutated animals uh, for not only resources, but also because they're trying to destroy each other uh, because of a natural antagonism that they may have. Uh, and of course, the humans are also into that mix. So, um, uh, and also the fact that robots may not be able to deal with the alternate 
physics that's in the hardwire hinterland, if, especially if they were extruded from another place where those rules of how life works and how physics works and mechanics work are built into, you know, are, are programmed into them rather than being things that they've discovered on their own. There's a lot, so apparently there's a lot of reasons why robots just simply wouldn't leave the hardware hinterland. And the last thing we mentioned was the fact is that all the resources that are really sweet for robots are all in NORAM and nowhere else because humans keep coming there to harvest these things and take them off, but it's never in large enough quantities that the robots would ever feel like they were comfortable somewhere else. Uh, if they were, if they really were wanting that same kind of environment that they had there in Noram with the super science and and and, and body and parts, they're literally laying littering around the the, the 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 landscape. I mean, yeah, I would say just think about it. look at look at your house, look at your look at the room you're in, look at all the te- technology you have. Now remember, there are three mile tall spires. Just think of how many levels that is, how much stuff is in just one of those towers. There's stuff that lasts centuries for salvage in there. Even at the rate that, that the robots and the humans are, are pulling out, there's still stuff for centuries, you know, or millennia in there. Before, you know, and as long as no one goes in there and it's maintained by the maintain, maintenance, it's there until, you, until someone finally breaks open the room and goes inside. Hmm. So... We hope that you've enjoyed this podcast and we hope that you are playing the Hardwire Hinterland because it is definitely different than any other game that's out there. And we like doing that here at TriTech. We like doing uh, using our imagination to do things that we've never done before and you've never seen. So we hope that you'll be back with us uh, in further podcasts and we hope that you play Hardwire Hinterland and find out just how crazy and exciting a place it is. And you got to go to TriTechGames.com and take a look at what we have up for uh, on it. So, yes, definitely go to TriTechGames.com and uh, all the other places that you can find TriTech goodness, like Facebook and the uh, TriTechGamers.com and, uh, G- and the G Plus places. G- I'm sorry, Google Plus places. So, uh, find us, play with us, have fun with us, and we'll ha- see you next week. And until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tohoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me 
Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.